Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Let's Get Growing. I'm Gary Folio, your host, along with Bob Dodds, the Regional Director of um, Extension. That's right. Good, what, good morning. That's a good title. You know, Regional uh, Director know. of Extension. <laughs> what a guy. Uh, it's been a great week. And I, he has the ISU hat on. Yes, and, uh, and, and County uh, Fair Apparel. There you That's go. for County sure. County Fair Apparel. Yep. Well, welcome, Bob. And, it's good to be uh, here. I don't see any... Uh, dampness on your brow oh what a Um, wonderful rain what a wonderful (laughs) rain oh my gosh uh i was talking about maybe sweat ah we did that all last week exactly (laughs) you know we have the county fairs going on in loiza county and so we spent a day or two up in loiza county with the club calf uh show and hogs and cattle and then also des moines county is going on right now at this very time and so we've been very busy with that as well and very, very warm, but everything has worked out very nicely. Yeah. Well, I have to ask now, since we got all these huge rains, oh. uh, but uh, what's the water table like? Yeah. Well, here, here's a little... Can you s- hit it? Can you find it? I, it probably <laughs> if you were close to the Mississippi, that would be the key. You know, I learned uh, this year, I mean, I've learned this a long, long time ago, but when it gets to the kind of a drought situation, you're always very careful, and you always want to ask... Uh, how much rainfall the person received that you're talking with, and you never offer first because this summer it has been so um, variable. I believe in Montrose on um, Thursday evening we received about two inches of rain, and we were very blessed to receive that. Talked to some farmers up in the northwest part of Lee County, kind of up in the uh, Primrose Church area, and I think they received about a quarter of an inch. So... And they haven't had a rain up there for probably since June 26th, so right. pretty dry. Kind of remind me of being in Florida. It would just rain real good. Mm-hmm. I mean, rain, and then an hour later, you couldn't tell it rained. Ah, uh, boy, we mm-hmm. were, I agree. I agree. We were so it happy. sucked it up pretty quick. Oh, my. We needed this last, uh, I don't know how much you had here in Keokuk, Gary, but probably I'm hoping you received the two inches as we did, but... Uh, Boy, we sure needed that, especially for the corn, especially for the soybeans. You know, Gary, this last week I had a chance to talk with quite a few farmers, and it was just incredibly warm. In fact, a lot of the heat indexes went well over 100 degrees throughout throughout not only southeast Iowa, but also throughout Iowa. And livestock producers really had their hands full to keep livestock alive and doing well. And a couple of things that we just want to remind farmers, and we'll probably come back to this if that's all right, Gary, and talk a little bit more about this. But there's some things we really need to take a look at because next week's going to be warm as well, I think. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a little break here. Word from our sponsors and from Iowa State University. We'll be right back. Well, we're down at Gate City Seed Company. If you remember, we gave you a break last week. We said it's too hot to do anything, so let's not do anything. Well, you had your break. You should be used to the heat by now, so it's time to come down to Gate City Seed, take care of all those little pests, because we know you got some little ants crawling in, you've got spiders, you've got mosquitoes, you've got fleas in the yard, you've got this and you've got that. And, of course, Gate City Seed can help you economically, safely. We're not going to sell you anything that's going to hurt you. New chemicals nowadays are very bug-specific. If you want to get them at the right price and know how to use it, come and see us at 824 Main in Keokuk. (music) 
Well, if you're like me, you remember your grandmother canning her fresh fruits and vegetables over a hot stove. But you never quite got the courage to try it yourself. But today, we may change that. We're at Ryman Gardens with Susan Klein from ISU. And Susan, tell us more about canning. Well, before we start, Liz, I want to make sure you understand you just need to have the courage to do home canning. <laughs> okay. It will work. It's, okay. It's really good. And of course, home canning is a good way to provide... Uh, fresh, good food for your family, and you're in control of the ingredients like the sugar and the salt. So home canning is a, a good thing. That's a good point. Now, how do we get started? First thing you need to do is use USDA directions. You need to find those that are specific for the vegetable or the fruit that you are canning. And then next, you need to look at the jars and the lids. Remember that those need to be in good shape, and you need to follow the directions for getting the lids ready to put on the jars for a, a good seal, and the box will tell you how to do that. Okay. Now I see we have two cookers. Yes, we have two canners here. One is a water bath canner, and that's used for uh, high acid fruits, uh, such as uh, peaches or pears and tomatoes. The pressure canner is used mm -hmm. for low acid vegetables, and you'll notice that we have two different kinds. We have a weighted and a gauged. Either can be used, but the gauge does need to be tested annually to make sure it is accurate. And I might also point out that this canner can be used for canning tomatoes as well. Okay. Now, any final tips before I get started? I think the most important thing is to find those USDA directions and also remember that uh, following those directions gives you a good product so that you can feed your family in the winter. Okay, thanks. And if you would like more information on canning, be sure to log on to GardeningInTheZone.com. I'm Liz Gilman. KSB Bank has been in existence since 1868, proudly serving our customers. We have strong roots and a history of providing excellent service to generations. So if you need banking products and services, stop in at one of our four convenient locations and let our dedicated employees work with you to start your money growing. KSB Bank, member FDIC. Strength you can bank on now and in the future. Philp Insurance Agency understands your farm's unique insurance needs. After all, we have protected area farm families for decades. Let's face it, some insurance agents don't know beans about farm insurance. Because we live where you live, we can help determine your insurance needs. We work with you to find coverages needed to protect your individual farming operation. Call Philp Insurance Agency today at Donaldson, Iowa, for a great local service and a quote for quality farm insurance from Farm Mutual Insurance. Step over here, sir. I put up with a lot, and while I'm forced to tolerate airport security screeners juggling my junk in public, what I won't tolerate is a power blower that won't run. That's why I use Echo Power Blowers, professional-grade power blowers backed by a five-year warranty. Armstrong Small Engine, two miles north of Donaldson, Highway 218. Use an Echo Power Blower. Get serious. And we're back with Let's Get Growing. We want to welcome everybody and thank our sponsors, KSB Bank in Keokuk and KSB Insurance and uh, Gate City Seed, longtime supporter of Let's Get Growing. We appreciate all the folks down there on Main Street in Keokuk. Phelps Insurance, again, another longtime sponsor out there in Donaldson. We appreciate mm. their support in Armstrong Small Engine, where it's the Alice's Restaurant of the uh, uh, working industry. I mean, That's you know, right. Anything you want. 
Steve and uh, Dan yeah. And, yeah. and the good folks out at Armstrong Kim. Small Engine, yeah. Kim. Yeah. Um, they'll take care of you. And they, if, if they don't have it, I don't think you need it. That's probably right, Gary. <laughs> they, they are such good supporters of Extension and, and the program, that's for sure. Absolutely. All of our sponsors have been, that's that's for sure. Yes. Gary, I wanted to talk just for Colin Johnson is an Iowa State University Extension Program Specialist and works in the Department of of, of our animal science department and a couple of things and i thought he put together a really nice checklist and then i asked a few car- farmers also to comment on this so we'll have a little bit of fun here um but it's serious serious business when we have temperatures like we had last week um, this is not only true of hogs and cattle and chickens but also of our small pets as well but uh farmers need to stay close to their barns and we really have been talking with farmers about making sure many of our um uh, confinement systems do have alarm systems on them, and we ask that they make sure and check those as well. And especially in our livestock buildings, we want to make sure the fans are working. Um, and also that the misters, sometimes we'll use kind of a misting system using water, maybe with some forced air to cool livestock. This has just been a tremendous tool to use in keeping everything safe and cool and comfortable as, as possible. Also, we've been taking a look at fans. I just want to remind farmers, I'm talking about the old fans that do have some safety shields on them. Right. We want to make sure that they're well greased and that they're, <clears throat> that they're clean so that they can move the maximum amount of air possible. Many times the fan blades will pick up debris or maybe the motors will pull in a little more dust and they need to be cleaned and especially greased so that they perform at their very, very best. And make sure we keep them away from Items that would block the airflow on the backside. Well, you know, that's exactly right, Gary. We want to take a look at the whole ventilation system, right. not only on that fan, but also the building, to make sure that we've got air coming out the top. Many of those times, sometimes bird nests will plug up some of the ventilation systems on some of our more sophisticated buildings, and so we want to make sure that they're clear. And, Gary, as you mentioned, um, if we do anything to restrict that air Right, around because that fan. It, it kind of doubles it it also pulls air across that motor to keep the windings cool too so exactly exactly so we want to take a look at that ventilation system and especially a couple of things that a lot of our local farmers when i talked to them this last week at the fairs and just accidentally running into them they were talking about making sure that their feeders are working properly and especially the watering systems especially for hogs and cattle and for the cattle uh we want to make sure that they have access to both feed and water. And again, we want to be careful. We Sometimes when we get up into temperatures of 100 degrees, we, we run the sprinkler system in some of these buildings too much, and we can actually raise the humidity too high oh. and uh, can actually cause pneumonia in some of our livestock. So we want to be real, real, real careful about that. And again, moving that air to keep the humidity at a reasonable um, level is really very important as well. It's probably a silly question, but I'm looking for an answer. Do you no, feed them differently in hot weather? We do. That's you a do. wonderful okay. question. That's a great question. In fact, a uh, couple of things I just was going to mention about that. We've been taking some of the grain out of the ration, especially for cattle, and putting back more forages, or what we would call hay. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is when we add grain, a larger amount of grain to the ration, it sets in the rumen, fermentates, and actually raises the, the temperature of that animal I just see. through rumination and fermentation. And so we w- will actually increase the forage amount and decrease the grains. Also, in addition to that, uh, we'll change the feeding time. 
we know that, uh, like us, we prefer when the temperatures are a little cooler and we've had a little more time to rest. Right. Then we realize how hungry we are. <laughs> and so we like to eat early in the morning or preferably late in the evening. And sure. that's when we feed, we've been feeding our livestock. So we've been changing that around quite a bit, too. Um, shade, we can buy some portable shade. We, we can buy these black screenings. We often... Um, have seen those maybe in some catalogs, but you can use some steel posts or some wooden posts and put that up where where, where we need some additional shade for for cattle. But of course, and and other livestock as well, or small animals or small pets as well. This goes a long ways in keeping them comfortable. Um, also, another thing uh, that's real important is proper fly control. This can really cause some additional problems, especially in high temperatures, because flies will. Uh, populate much quicker, and so we like to haul that manure so that the flies don't have a place to incubate and to develop um, into, well, lay eggs and then increase the fly numbers. So all of those things have a lot to do with keeping your livestock healthy and safe uh, during some pretty high temperatures. But those are all some good ideas, not only from Iowa State University, but from some local farmers that I had a chance to talk with. Well, it won't be too long, and we'll be finishing up with our local county fairs, and we'll be traveling to Des Moines for the Iowa State Fair. Uh, just a couple of comments about that. The Iowa State Fair is August 11th through the 20. Excuse me, August 11th through the 21st, and I know that there's a lot of great things taking place on the Iowa State Fair grounds as they have in past years, all the way from the uh, Governor's Charity uh, Steer Show to um, making homemade ice cream contests <laughs> to young people taking their projects and livestock projects up to the Iowa State Fair. Um, so much to see all the way from, uh, we there are some new displays on energy, uh, wind energy, solar energy, just, just a lot of fun, but also a lot of education at the Iowa State Fair. They do have a wonderful website, and if you simply Google the Iowa State Fair, I'm sure you'll, it'll come up. And there's tickets you can buy, and there's also some of our local sponsors, I believe, that are making tickets to the Iowa State Fair available at a maybe a reduced price. So August 11th through the 21st. What happened to June? I know, and, and July. <laughs> I guess we're sitting here on the last day of July, that's for sure. So, um, Well, they always say the older you get, the faster it goes. I think that's true. I, I can agree with that. Slow down so we can get older. Yeah. You know, I wanted to, we'll kind of go back to some horticulture for just a couple of minutes. I really was pretty pleased the beginning of the growing season. I looked at my lawn and looked at quite a few lawns, and I thought that we kind of did, we were pretty successful in controlling crabgrass. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to see quite a bit of crabgrass. <laughs> we did have a pretty wet spring, so it's not a big surprise. Many of the, we talked a lot about that last spring, Gary, but we applied a herbicide uh, before the crabgrass starts to germinate. In fact, that's a way that this uh, particular uh, chemical works as a pre-emergence herbicide, but we are starting to see some crabgrass. One of the things that we might want to take a look at for next year, not this year, again, crabgrass is one of those warm season grasses, and it starts to germinate when the soil temperature reaches 55 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit. When we put down a herbicide, uh, rainfall has a lot to do with how effective it is. And, of course, our rainfall this past year was pretty high, and so, of course, that tends to dilute out the herbicide and move it through the soil structure or 
through the soil profile, and then of course the seeds can go ahead and germinate if it's getting below the soil or you know, below the seed. And so that's the main reason that we see these outbreaks with crabgrass is because the herbicide simply was diluted out by the large amounts of rain. One of the things, if you really have a very low tolerance of crabgrass, something you might want to think about, we always look at the forsythia as an indicator of when the soil temperature is about 55 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, a little bit before that, and that's when we recommend applying the crabgrass control. We may want to do that at that time, but then come back and also apply it again on June 1st. I really think that the escapes that we're seeing with the crabgrass at this time are ones that continued to germinate after the herbicide became ineffective. And so um, that would be a thought that I have, is to apply it at the end of April, um, as we have in the past, and then again the 1st of June. The only drawback to that, well, there's probably there's a couple of drawbacks. More cost, number one. And the second one is if you have plans to do some reseeding in the fall, like August, um, if you have some areas in your lawn that you want to reseed, this crabgrass preventer could uh, cause that to not work too well. In other words, it would keep the grass seed from from germinating as well. So that's just something that you might want to think about. But we sure have had a lot of questions about crabgrass and why the herbicide didn't work this this last spring and you don't treat the whole yard you just treat the areas that right i think crabgrass i i think that's a good good suggestion gary so yeah we're gonna have to take a break here word from our sponsors we'll be right back with let's get growing see what a smile can do Spring is here and you're just itching to get out and start working on your garden. Hy-Vee's Garden Center is now open and has all of your landscaping needs available. They have rocks, brick, mulch, or whatever you need to design and build your perfect garden. Stop by the Keokuk Hy-Vee Garden Center and check out their large array of plants and garden accessories to make your garden the talk of the town. Alison Robertson, Extension Plant Pathologist with Iowa State University. Across the state, much of the corn crop will start tasseling and silking this weekend. At this time of the growing season, growers are often wondering about whether to apply a fungicide to those crops or not. As the corn starts tasseling, my advice would be for growers to get out and scout those fields. We should target our scouting towards those fields that have a history of leaf diseases. Low-lying fields should be targeted and then also target those hybrids that have greater susceptibility to the leaf diseases. If there's no disease occurring, then I would advise growers to hold off on their fungicide application for another week to 10 days. Data from Iowa has shown that the best yield response to a fungicide application occurs when that fungicide is applied between tasseling and blister or brown silk, and also that the yield response increases the more disease you have in the canopy. Fungicides are most profitable when there is disease developing within the corn crop because a fungicide protects yield potential by controlling that disease. This Crop Minute is provided by Iowa State University Extension. Your home is so much more than just four walls and a roof. Your home is where you make a lifetime of memories. Make sure it and your memories are well protected. It's a good idea to review your home insurance coverages annually to ensure you have the protection you need. 
Call your local Farm Mutual Insurance agent, Philp Insurance Agency, today at Donaldson, Iowa, to review your current policy or for a free quote on your home insurance. This is Cindy Haynes with a Garden Calendar Minute. I was out in my garden this past weekend, deadheading and weeding like a good girl, when I noticed a few things. The first thing I noticed was that it was hot outside. Pretty obvious, I know, but it's easy to forget what hot, humid weather can do to a gardener. This is where I remind everyone, including myself, to wear a hat, sunscreen, and drink plenty of water when working outdoors. Even if you work outside early in the morning, don't forget your hat, sunscreen, and water bottle. You will use them. The other thing I noticed this weekend was the mosquitoes. I know, I know, after all the rain this year, I should have known there'd be a bumper crop. But don't be like me trying to swat the pesky insects while elbow deep in potting mix. Spritz yourself with your favorite repellent first. By protecting yourself from the bugs and the sun before you venture outside, your gardening efforts will be much more enjoyable. For Iowa State University Horticulture Extension, I'm Cindy Haynes. Well, we're down at Gate City Seed Company. If you remember, we gave you a break last week. We said it's too hot to do anything, so let's not do anything. Well, if you had your break, you should be used to the heat by now, so it's time to come down to Gate City Seed, take care of all those little pests, because we know you've got some little ants crawling in, you've got spiders, you've got mosquitoes, you've got fleas in the yard, you've got this and you've got that, and of course, Gate City Seed can help you economically, safely. We're not going to sell you anything that's going to hurt you. New chemicals nowadays are very bug-specific. If you want to get them at the right price and know how to use it, come and see us at 824 Main in Keokuk. And we're back with Let's Get Growing. We're kind of talking a little bit about crabgrass. I don't mm-hmm. know if you had to finish up. Anything. I think I'm. I think okay. I'm pretty good on that, Gary. I want to. I wanted to mention that Iowa State University will hold their demonstration garden. It's, this is really aimed not only at master gardeners but anyone who really just enjoys um, gardening. Um, the the uh, field day closest to us and and i know it's a little ways away but please it would be great to get a carload of people and hop in and head up to muscatine the iowa state university has a a research garden or farm which is just dedicated totally to horticulture it's at the muscatine island and the field day will be held on august the 2nd at 6 30 p.m and uh, since Dr. Haynes will be talking at the field day, they will show some trials that they have carried out on the Muscatine Island Research Farm, which will include cantaloupe and also watermelon um, and also some other small fruits as well. Um, in addition to that, there'll be flowers and vegetables and all-American selections that people will be able to see but I think it'll be a great, great field day. They're going to have plenty to re, plenty of refreshments. They're going to have some muscatine cantaloupe available for the people who attend. And again, that will be on August the 2nd at 6.30 in the evening at the Muscatine Island Research Farm at Fruitland. The town is Fruitland. It's sure. not actually in Muscatine, but it's been at been Fruitland. Quite a few times. It is just a wonderful place to go. And Ben Slauson is the farm director, and I was just up there about a couple of weeks ago, and things look extremely just excellent. And Vince does a terrific job. And I'm really glad to hear that, or I'm happy to share with our listeners this morning that uh, Dr. Haynes will be visiting that uh, field day. So if you have any questions... Please don't ever, just always feel free to email me or to give me a call. And I think what I'm going to do is, my, my email address is redods at iastate.edu. And so don't hesitate to drop me an email if you ever have questions yeah, about we that. Do have, we have people call that uh, yep. want your email. So yeah, we always 
send that out to I appreciate that, Gary. I do. I so do. You can call the radio station or try to call the extension office, either one. Exactly. Exactly. Also, uh, this coming week, or very soon, and I guess it's this coming week, is this, there is a new, uh, there'll be a program on high tunnel construction. Again, we talked a lot, or spoke a lot about high tunnels uh, being kind of a cross between a greenhouse and growing outdoors. Uh, but you will, this is a great, great program. It's going to be on August 8th and 9th. It is a ways away. It's at Packwood, Iowa, which, uh, but, but it'll be a local vegetable farmer who has constructed high tunnels, will lead the workshop and provide a lot of guidance to those interested in participating in the construction process. Uh, The great thing about high tunnels, they're inexpensive, they're simple, they're passive solar greenhouses in which crops are grown directly in the soil, and they allow growers to extend the growing season and produce high yields of quality produce earlier than field-grown crops. And because of that, there has just been some real tremendous interest in it. so, if you're interested in pre-registering, uh, do give us a call, and I can get you the phone number to those people, uh, to the people, so that you can attend. But again, the field day will be August 8th and 9th, and it'll be in Packwood, Iowa. And I think you'll really, really enjoy that uh, program if you have an interest in high tunnel production. A um, couple other items I wanted to mention, too. We have a new program that's available through Iowa State University, and it's called Preserve Food Safely. Uh, It is a wonderful program. It's new. Uh, It talks about preserving foods using canners, dehydrating, or dehydrators, freezing. Um, It is just excellent. Part of this is going to be hands-on, and part of it is going to be through the Internet. Um, And so if if you have an interest in this, uh, there is a website that I can share with you, but it's called Preserve the Taste of Summer. And again, it provides both online courses and hands-on workshops for adults interested in learning how to safely preserve foods. If you have an interest in this, please give the Lee County Extension Office a call, and we'll put together a group of people and uh, times and places and locations. Uh, the website was launched on July the 29th, so this is pretty new. We'll have a lot more details uh, coming out on this, but it's often we receive, I was just looking at the ISU Extension Family's answer line, receive about 4,200 calls on food preservation mm-hmm. in, a, in a growing season. Lots of I leaf spots. see more and more and more. I do too, especially with food prices increasing, and mm-hmm. there has been some wonderful fruit available at our local farmer's markets but also in our grocery stores at sure. a very reasonable price. And this is a great time to take advantage of that because if we move out of the growing season, boy, the prices really increase greatly. Right. And so if we can preserve some of those, uh, make our own uh, um, uh, sauces or mixes or dry some herbs or make salsa. There you go. Uh, a preserve lot of people some, do that. They do. And uh, it's, just, you know, it's just great to be able to do that, that's for sure. A lot of questions about tomatoes. Let's. Uh, I we need sweet to. Corn was the word. Oh, <laughs> hey, I have I have a raccoon story. I have to tell oh, you, maybe. My. So anyway, um, but anyway, I was just going to say that a uh, um, uh, couple of things. Uh, again, if you have any questions, I'll go back to that. If you have any questions about this program called Preserve Food Safely, 
please call the Lee County Extension Office. Say you heard it on the radio and you would like more information, and we'll send you some websites and also additional information on it. Actually, Janet Smith and Patty Steiner are going to be providing the instruction on this program, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Again, it's partially on the Internet and partially hands-on. And we really haven't established some locations to do the hands-on part of it yet, but we're going to be taking a look at maybe some of our schools or some of our churches have some really pretty sophisticated kitchens. Uh, So we're kind of wanting to get out and bring the program to the people, so to speak, Gary. Yeah. And food just keeps getting more expensive, so the interest in that. And not only that, but being able to buy it locally, having to know, you you know where it's been grown and where it came from. food dryers and all that, people are experimenting a little more, and I think uh, using those dehydrators. Exactly, exactly. And the people that used to do that using a lot of the beef and deer jerky and all those kinds of things. Now they're doing all the fruits and vegetables. Exactly. Making chips out of them, they're pretty handy. That's right, that's right, that's right. Wanted to mention all the calls that we've had on peppers and on tomatoes, and I guess the most, most important thing I can say is it seems like when we get temperatures above 90 degrees, the blossoms on both tomatoes and peppers and squash and zucchini tend to just drop off and they do not become pollinated. Um, and that's why you're seeing the blossoms drop and very, very little fruit set is because of the high temperatures. That was about four weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think it hasn't let up yet. (laughs) I wanted to mention, too, it's not often we we select plants, but there's been a couple I want to mention this morning that I think are pretty awesome. Defiant Tomato is brand new. It is an annual, of course, and it's a determinate, and we've spent a lot of time talking about indeterminate and determinate tomatoes. But this is a new one, and it's actually available through Johnny's Selected Seeds out in Maine. They just introduced it. But here's what's cool about it. It loves full sun, well-drained soils. It is extremely resistant to late blight disease and has become uh, just available here in the last few years. But this, I mean, I should say late blight disease has really been a problem for us in the last couple of years. And this is one of those tomatoes that really deals with that disease very, very nicely. Um, So this is one that you're going to want to add to the list for next year. It's called Defiant Tomato. They have medium-sized slicing tomatoes, but it demonstrates a really high resistance to late blight and a fair resistance to early blight, and it's just an excellent one. It's globe-shaped fruit or smooth, very meaty and tart, uh, and expect the determinant plants to be really high-yielding and pretty widely adapted. And so this is called Defiant Tomato, and it's just excellent. I like the hummingbird plant that's on the on the other yeah. side, yeah, this is, again, you know, we were talking about zones, and this is, um, this is really cool. It's called a hummingbird feeder. Unfortunately, it's for zones 9 through 11, so that's just way too far south for us. But it is absolutely a beautiful plant. Um, it's, it's actually... Probably would have done well in July. Exactly, exactly. It's actually in the cigar family, and it is definitely beautiful, and it's called... Um, uh, David Verity is the name of it, and it's zones 9 to 11. Some people have been planting it in containers because it is beautiful, and it just blooms the entire summer. Um, but it really, for us, it's going to be treated as right. an annual and not a perennial. So that's kind of caused a little bit of concern, but it is really, really very nice. So, yeah. Well, we're going to have to take a break here. Word from our sponsors. We'll be right back uh, with Let's Get Growing. We hope you join us. In a few minutes. See what a smile. 
Spring is here and you're just itching to get out and start working on your garden. Hy-Vee's Garden Center is now open and has all of your landscaping needs available. They have rocks, brick, mulch, or whatever you need to design and build your perfect garden. Stop by the Keokuk Hy-Vee Garden Center and check out their large array of plants and garden accessories to make your garden the talk of the town. can be left undisturbed in the garden for many years, but every once in a while you may want to divide them. Joining me at Ryman Gardens is Richard Duran from ISU, and I guess first of all, Richard, in general, why should we divide perennials? Well, you divide them mainly to get additional plants. Okay. Uh, peonies are long-lived, but if you want additional plants, that's an excellent way to obtain those. Now, when should we divide uh, peonies? Uh, the best time to divide peonies would be in September. Uh, by that time, the plant has been allowed to manufacture food and store some food in the roots and crown, so they should have a good uh, food reserve by, by September. It also allows the plant a chance to get itself reestablished before winter, so September is an excellent time. Okay, now how do you do it? <laughs> uh, basically, you would go out in September, cut the plant back to the ground with, with some hand shears, and then carefully dig up the, the clump. Uh, try to get as much of the root system as you can. And then once you have the plant out of the ground, uh, take a, a large knife and cut the clump into sections. Make sure that each section has three to five buds. Uh, if they're smaller than that, they may not bloom maybe for two or three uh, years. So make sure that each section has three to five buds. Uh, choose an appropriate planting site. It should be full sun or well-drained soil. Dig a nice size hole and then pos position the actual section in the hole so the buds are one to two inches below the ground. If they're too deep, they may not bloom well. Uh, backfill carefully, go ahead and water, and water periodically through the fall. And then in November or December, mulch the area with several inches of straw or pine needles. And that pre prevents freezing and thawing, which could damage the plant. Uh, remove the mulch in the spring, and then you'll have a new plant next year. And it sounds like more peonies to enjoy. Right. All right, thanks. And if you'd like more information on dividing peonies, be sure to log on to GardeningInTheZone.com. I'm Liz Gilman. KSB Insurance is your hometown trusted choice insurance agency dedicated to meeting all of your personal and business insurance needs. Give us a call or stop in at our Keokuk or Burlington location and let one of our friendly agents work with you to save some green on your insurance. KSB Insurance, protecting what matters to you. I put up with a lot. And even though I'm standing here holding my wife's purse-sized puppy who is currently yapping in my face. What I won't put up with is outdoor power equipment that won't work. That's why I use Echo Outdoor Power Equipment. Professional-grade equipment backed by a five-year warranty. Ask for Echo Power Equipment at Armstrong Small Engine, two miles north of Donaldson, Highway 218. Use Echo. Get serious. And we're back with Let's Get Growing. We got a couple seconds or a couple minutes here to wrap things up. This is you were uh, going to tell us a raccoon story earlier. Yeah, I'm going to have to hold that just for a little <laughs> bit. I hope I'm. Gonna, we'll try to get to it really quick. Okay. Hey, there's a brand new hosta out. I love to. Um, Ooh, that is pretty. Judy Walworth and I are always talking about hostas, and this is just absolutely spectacular. This one's called Raspberry Sunday. And um, it's zones four to nine. It has beautifully variegated leaves, but that's not what sets it apart, actually. The base of the leaves, the leaf stalks, and the flower stems are all a striking burgundy color. Um, it is absolutely fabulous. It's brand new in 2011. Um, Terra Nova Nurseries. T 
Terra Nova Nurseries are the one to introduce this plant. But again, look for this one. It is truly, truly worth the cost. It's called Raspberry Sunday. It has uh, some beautiful white and dark green variegated leaves, but kind of a, a striking burgundy color at the base and also on the flower, and it's gorgeous. And here's my raccoon story, really quick, Gary. You know, last week we talked about electric fence, and we're going to come back and visit about that. First right. of all, you want to be really careful, and probably it belongs out in the country and not so much in town or in urban areas using electric fence. But we went to the farmer's market last week, and we had a few ears that I just kind of pulled off and when we that, that we didn't uh, make available, and they, they either hadn't pollinated to all the way to the end or just weren't something that we wanted to... Um, share with others and so took those home lifted up the tailgate on the pickup and closed that up and left those about 10 6 8 10 years in the back of the pickup went out sunday morning looked in the back of the pickup and by the way the husks had still been left on this (laughs) husks were pulled back the corn was completely (laughs) eaten and those raccoons had to get in that pickup and i'm not sure how that all took place but anyway that's the raccoon that's the raccoon story for the day so mary still doesn't believe me oh my <laughs> if there's an opportunity they'll take it it's incredible we're going to talk about raccoons next week Gary. good okay. okay well we want to thank everybody for tuning in to let's get growing each saturday morning at 7:20 on KOKX AM 13:10 From all of us here at KOKX Studios at 108 Washington, thanks for listening.